Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag Your Mind Good evening, Maverick family and new viewers. Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. Great to have everyone here tonight. We have a special guest coming on shortly. And she is going to share with us her thoughts, her views, her emotions, her concerns about Adrian the Realist and his Nash Thunderbird Nationalist Party, Canada's new Nazi party that he is planning to create. And she's going to tell us why she used to be on board with him, but she is no more. She is very concerned and she will explain why he really does not have the support of First Nations peoples in this country. It's going to be enlightening. And wrapped in the middle, I think there's going to be a bombshell. So stick with me because that one, that, 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 information uh, is going to, <laughs> I think, shock you, surprise you. If it goes, if it goes down the way I think it's going to go down, uh, you're, you're not going to want to miss this. <laughs> you're not going to want to miss this. Uh, Hezbollah is taunting, warning Israel. It looks like we're going to get more escalation in the Middle East not sure exactly how it's going to turn out, but we'll play you some video and talk a little bit about that. And we'll explain why the first story we talked about relates to the second story that we just talked about. It all kind of ties together and it's all because of colonialism. And today's political attitudes globally um, and there's been a new development, um, in the, well, I don't even know what to call the, these issues. They are, it's all about pretendians, first nations, pe people who are accused of claiming native status or heritage or lineage falsely in order to gain an advantage in society. And so tonight there is, uh, there's another person who has been accused of that and, you know, prominent person. And uh, we're going to tell you who that is. And this comes in the wake of the Buffy St. Marie allegations over exactly the same issue. She's being accused of faking her Indian 
heritage. Uh, I don't know. Strange, strange times. So we'll we'll dig into those those issues. And isn't it weird how all these top stories tonight all seem to be interconnected? It's you know it's. Uh, I guess that's just the way information flow works. It's like one thing happens over here and then something related happens over there and then something related to that happens over there. And the next thing you know, I'm sitting here talking about all those things with you. Don't go away. When we come back, we'll dig into the situation in the Middle East off the top and then we'll progress from that thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals. defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, first up tonight, the situation in the Middle East. What do we have here? We have the Hezbollah leader, Hassan Nasrallah, says that all options on the Lebanese front are open and his group is ready for all possibilities. He is warning of possible escalation. And says, and had a, had a message for the U.S. as well as Israel today. He says to the U.S., your fleets will not scare us. Let me, uh, let me show you. We'll give you his clip here. A lot of saber rattling going on while the act- there's an actual war going on and a lot of accusations of war crimes on both sides in this conflict and now it looks like uh, Hezbollah is ready to 
get in there and get directly involved. So here's what uh, the Hezbollah leader had to say. All possibilities on the Lebanese front are open. We are ready for any possibility. The resistance missions and the blood of those martyred tell the enemy, thinking of attacking Lebanon or thinking of doing a preemptive strike against Lebanon, that you will be making the most stupid mistake in the history of your existence. That honestly is not as bad as I thought it was going to be today. I thought that uh, I was very worried that they were going to just say that they were going to become directly involved right away. But the thing I think to remember about Hezbollah is that they, they're nothing to be, you know, you can't take them lightly, but Lebanon, not really, a really strong nation state they they can maybe launch some missiles and they have some some fighters but they don't have the kind of military might that uh, uh, some people might think they do so not sure not sure exactly where that'll all go uh, so they haven't you know stepped right in but uh Definitely some escalation there. This is his first speech, by the way, since the outbreak of the war. And Hassan said that all options on the front are open. So he says, your fleets in the Mediterranean will not scare us. Speaking, obviously, directly to the United States. He stopped short of announcing, of course, that Hezbollah was fully engaging in the Israel-Hamas war, but says the fighting on the Lebanon-Israeli border uh, would not be limited to the scale seen until now, and that all options are, as I said, on the table, as he said. So some other key developments. Uh, Anthony Blinken says that the U.S. needs to do more to protect Palestinian civilians. Benjamin Netanyahu uh, told Lebanon, don't test us, you will pay dearly. Israeli military is saying that it has completely encircled Gaza City. Nasrallah denies any suggestion of Hezbollah involvement in the attack launched by Hamas against Israel back on October 7th. He says that that was 100% Palestinian. But he also paid tribute to the Lebanese and Palestinian martyrs who have been killed in this conflict so far. He says, his brothers and sisters, peace be upon you all. In his address today, he says that uh, in his words, quote, and this is the English translation, of course, we are here today to remember those who are models of Hezbollah. So we know that Hezbollah, here's some a little bit of background for you. Hezbollah was founded back in 1982 in the middle of Lebanon's civil war. That went on for uh, about 15 years, give or take. It was uh, the result of Iran's efforts to export its 1979 Islamic revolution around the region and combat Israeli forces. 
that, of course, after Israel invaded Lebanon in 1982. Um, and just a note, Hezbollah, that means the party of God. And they have a reputation for extremism. And have carried out many attacks on foreign targets. They are regarded as an Iranian proxy force by some. They have uh, been trained and equipped with weapons provided by Tehran. Hezbollah has kind of, well, they sort of existed in the shadows, but they've risen to become prominent globally. They're a heavily armed force now. And they claim to have uh, about 100,000 fighters. I don't know. Um, I suppose you, you classify them as soldiers. And uh, that's, I think that's, a, you know, sort of the total of number of fighters that they can they can gain access to but i believe their total for active force is only around 20,000 which is why i say they may not have they may not be like a, a deciding factor or a major major factor but because of the kind of warfare they wage they they could be a problem no doubt they'll be a problem um, cause some real grief for the people in Israel if they do start launching missiles. The Iron Dome is not 100% effective. So he's also, the Hezbollah leader, a leading voice in the regional military alliance that was established by Iran to act as a you know a counterweight to us and israel power in the region and they refer to that of course as the axis of resistance so yesterday hezbollah did mount what appeared to be its biggest attack on israel so far and uh you know even though they hadn't really made an announcement like this or told anybody really what they were going to be doing. They have been involved in this conflict, and I would say really right from nearly from beginning. So also tonight, we know that U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel, and he says that uh, the two countries need to continue to prevent escalation in the conflict. We also know that Biden is calling for pauses in the conflict to affect the, the so, so that they can get Americans and others out of Gaza. Um, it's not really clear how that's really going to look, because I don't think that we've really gotten to that point yet. But uh, it's an ongoing, developing story, of course. So we will 
keep you posted as time goes on. Let's take a little break here. When we come back, we'll dig into other stuff. And I think our guest will be arriving very shortly, uh, probably by the bottom of the hour. So we're only about maybe 10 minutes away or so. Stick with me because it's going to be a very interesting night. The New World Order. Government Overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream Media Lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind. Okay, a lot of First Nations news tonight. Let's start with this, shall we? Let's. So Mary Ellen Turple LaFond has been removed from the Order of Canada after being questioned about her indigenous authenticity, I guess. A notice in Saturday's Canada Gazette, which is the federal government's official newspaper, says that her appointment was terminated back on September 26th. And this came at her request as and the governor general's approval. So there's a social media post by Indigenous Women's Collective, which had called for her removal for... And these are their words. Stealing indigenous intergenerational trauma and identities brings a very real consequences. And the group thanks the governor general for correcting a wrong. So she was appointed to the Order of Canada in 2021. She has also returned honorary degrees from several universities, including Simon Fraser University, Brock, and two Vancouver Island schools. McGill, Carleton, the University of Regina have rescinded awards that they granted to her. There was an investigation launched by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation back in the fall of last year, and they found evidence that called Turple LaFond's claims of indigenous identity into question. 
So she's the former BC representative for children and youth. Um, or sorry, not her, but the former BC representative for children and youth previously told CBC that while she was growing up, she didn't question the biological parentage of her father, who she has said was Cree. So Turpo LaFond has also served as the director of the Indian Residential School History and Dialogue Center at the University of British Columbia, where she was tenure, a tenured law professor until late 2022. Honestly, I've never really paid much attention to her. Um, just, you know, to me, kind of just another political figure, but not like politician political figure. Uh, but anyway, so here's a, I'll show you a picture of her. If I can find it here. I don't know, you know, th these stories now are beginning to rise to the surface. This is, this has been an ongoing one. It's just making headlines again now. And here she is. This is her. And this is, you know, a, uh, a big issue for people in First Nations, for some people who are concerned about their, not just their culture, but their rights, the, um, you know, their, their, their claims to the land and the treat the way they're treated by the federal government in Canada because of their, their heritage, their first nations status. And we're seeing more and more cases like this where people are accused of faking it in order to get special treatment, which is in itself kind of, there's a certain irony to it, isn't there? Because, of course, First Nations peoples have been subjected to abuse and oppression. And so, of course, they are victims in many ways. And yet today, some people go so far as to fake it so they can claim victimhood status so that they can get more advantages or special treatment. The thing about these cases, though, is I'm not sure that they're really, um, really fair, these accusations. And I'm, I'm concerned that in some cases, the people accused of faking it might not actually be faking it because of confusion over birth certificates and other legal documents. And, uh, you know, maybe our guest who is about to come on might even have something to say about this because... Uh, I know that, you know, so in some cases, children were taken away from their parents, First Nations children, and then the documents, the, the paper trail, wasn't accurate after that. And so their links to their biological parents were actually um, severed on paper. And so if you go back and look at the history, it looks like they don't really have links, but they might actually still truly be um, 
a child of a First Nation family that was then adopted by, say, a European family. So I don't know. Um, that seems to be the case, uh, or at least that's the suggestion in the Buffy St. Marie case. I, I mean, and I don't know. Like, see, CBC did an investigation into Buffy St. Marie, the, the musician, the folk singer, right? And it's the same thing. This is, you know, making the top of the news cycle right now, too. It's been making headlines for the past few days. I haven't touched on it at all until now. But uh, Buffy St. Marie denies allegations she misled the public about her indigenous ancestry. She calls allegations deeply hurtful. And there was a documentary that questioned the shifting narrative, in quotation marks, surrounding her Cree roots. So that uh, back on Friday, the so I think this was last Friday, the CBC their investigation wing, the Fifth Estate, published this work into the singer's ancestry. And they allege her life story is part of a broad narrative full of inconsistencies and inaccuracies. In other words, they're saying that they spun up a marketing message to kind of further Buffy St. Marie's music career because she was getting a lot of traction and she was, you know, rocketing to international stardom. And the allegation here really is that it was a narrative that was created by a marketing company uh, to portray her as a first nations person when she wasn't at all. And yet, as I look at her, I, I think maybe she is. And maybe this, maybe the paperwork just isn't accurate. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to pass judgment one way or the other. I'm going to let it all play out until we get some real facts. And to get more real facts, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and our special guest has arrived. She's in the back room, and she's going to set the record straight. Um, the story that we've been, we were covering the last two nights over this swastika First Nations flag, the use of this emblem that... Uh, we're, to we're, we're being told it's a First Nations thing, and she's going to explain why it isn't at all. Don't go away. We'll have more right after this. The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com that's freedomreporters.com maverick news the antivirus program for your mind okay i'm back and here's our special guest joining us live tonight hello carmel how are you Hi, Rick. I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Are you doing well today? I am. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad you could join us on the program tonight because uh, I know that you would like to set the record straight on some of the information that uh, was conveyed on this program over the past couple of days by Adrian, the realist who 
is uh, kind of affecting a, a political campaign. He uh, and I'll show you. I mean, I hate to even keep showing this stuff. I hate to even kind of keep talking about it. But he's getting some traction, some uh, some support out there with stuff like this. This is a swastika that looks very much the same as the swastika used in World War II by Nazi Germany. And he has recycled it and it has put it on his First Nations flag that he created and has been flying for, well, at least six to eight months, I guess, maybe longer. And, uh, and it's all kind of escalated from there. And now he even, he's even in the process of filing paperwork to create a new National Socialist Party in Canada called the Thunderbird Nationalist or Naturalist Party. And you've been watching all yes, of this. Yes, I have been. And so what's your initial reaction, Carmel? You're, and, and first of all, introduce yourself uh, because you are uh, a First Nations what you're which which where what community are you from? Um, I'm a registered Treaty Seven member, but that was through marriage and by blood lineage. I come from the Anishinaabe from Treaty Four. My grandfather was Chief the Key, signator signer of Treaty Four Adhesion, eighteen seventy-six. And I reside on the lands of the Treaty 6 here in Alberta, and I have connections to Treaty 6. And as well, I identify as Anishinaabe, Nihil, and Assiniboine. Okay, and you know personally Adrian the Realist, Adrian Thomas is his name. And uh, and he came to you or you you had conversations with him and you were for a while supportive of what he was yes. doing. Right. Can you just explain what that was all about, how you got connected to him? Uh, a couple weeks ago, I only became aware of Adrian, the realist, and uh, it was pointed out to me by a mutual friend of ours that he and I had the same type of views of in um, treaty status Indian and how we had to uphold the treaty and that our views sounded alike. And I do believe in the treaty and I was taught the treaty by my family through oral traditions. I am raised with the oral history of why my grandfather signed treaty and what the intent and purpose was for the future. I also do not agree with the Indian Act. It is oppressive and it has ruled our people with tyranny throughout the years. We've faced many atrocities as a result of the Indian Act. And so I guess that's where our similar views came to meet. And a couple of weeks ago, he said he, Adrian and I connected through social media only. I've never physically met him. And it was through TikTok. And I commended him for speaking up because at first I was a fan. And he said that we needed to get our Indian treaty women 
involved that the true woman is the Indian Treaty women. And we needed to get inclusion of the Treaty Indians to work alongside mainstream Canada in political gains. And I'm all for that. I'm all for unity. I'm all for consultation with our treaty leaders. I'm all for working together in a good way supporting each other's community. That is actually one of the treaty laws is that we have peaceful coexistence. And yeah. so based on that peaceful coexistence, I figured that what Adrian was speaking about was gonna follow those lines. He approached me and he said that he had had a spiritual dream. I follow my Nihil spiritual way of life. I believe in the sacred pipe and our Sundance ceremonies. And I've been taught them as well, as lived them, raised my children that way. Um, participated in indigenous communities across North America. And I figured that what he was talking about, how we had to uphold our treaties and educate ourselves and be true to the treaty. I do agree that the Indian Act is invasive and controlling and is not an equal, an equal, like it does not provide my people with equality in Canadian systems. It right. hinders us. So when he said end the Indian Act, that he wanted to plan an end the Indian Act walk and that he had a flag, that he wanted to repatriate the Thunderbird symbol. And I thought that would be nice considering that it has already been misappropriated once in history and to correct that to bring the truth and the light to it. But I thought it was going to be done in accordance to Nihil way of living. And I say that because we have an hierarchy, we have a system where when we wanna do something in our community, for our community, for our people, we approach our elders, we go first to the, matriarch or the patriarch of the family we discuss mm -hmm. it with them and then from there we follow their instruction and so immediately when adrian had contacted me and i then turned to my patriarch our elder of our, my family and he had instructed me to talk to one of my other cousins who was part of the governance for Edmonton area, then I approached Enoch Cree Nation and asked for a meeting to introduce Adrian and what his wish was to repatriate this symbol. I asked him about that red flag. He told me he had had that dream 13 years ago and that he had designed that flag 
and when he took it to some elders recently, he provided a list of elders, which also included uh, Grandmother Nancy Scanny and mm-hmm. a few others. He indicated that they did not approve of that flag and wanted to design another flag. And that other flag is that black flag there. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's this and thing. Yes, that one. He describes that flag to me as this being a war flag. And I told him that's not even a thunderbird. That's a depiction of an eagle. I told him that that was wrong. Even the symbol was wrong. That we do not create that symbolism of the Thunderbird or the wind spirit that comes from the Thunderbird's wings as that symbol. In, and, indeed, that is almost a carbon copy of uh, the the Nazi emblem from World War II in Germany. That's exactly. It, it, it's almost identical. He tried to tell me that um, there was a man by name of Carl that came and took that symbol and went to Germany with it and that he had found the power of all the Indian people through that symbol and turned it over to Hitler. And I've never heard stories to that extent. Like I said, my people are an oral history keeping people and stories get passed down. I didn't hear that story. And what I do know is that in our Cree way, our Nihio way of life, we have a similar symbol, but there's an opening about this much, Mm -hmm. and there are four dots that go with it. I don't see that depicted in either flag. I had questioned him extensively about the red flag and I had told him at that point that those, that red flag and all of these flags that he needed to present to the elders of Treaty 6, I had arranged for a meeting of Adrian and the elders of Treaty 6, where he should have presented the proper protocols, the tobacco and the prayer offerings, to ask permission to walk upon their lands using these symbols. He is Treaty 6 member, but he does not come from the Edmonton area. The Edmonton area under treaty protection is the lands of Papa Chase and the people of Papa Chase were not approached in good ways in an indigenous relationship building way to ask for permission to walk on their lands. When he insisted on walking with that black flag, I confronted him and basically said, why are you presenting a war flag when you say you want to unite people when you say you want to bring people together that this is now the joining of the Indian treaty status people with Canadians and then he corrected and said no it's a cowboys and Indian movement and I said 
I thought this was about repatriating this symbol. And I later came to find out that there was a hidden agenda that I was not in agreement to. That hidden agenda included government policies. It included, I heard stories such as he infiltrated the trucker's convoy, broke them up. I heard all kinds of claims coming from him that I felt was... So he told you that he infiltrated the trucker's convoy with the intent to break it up? Yes. That, he's also that will come as a surprise to many people, I think. He's also um indicated to me on one conversation we had um I was trying to educate him on our ceremonies, on the ceremonial context of what he was doing. And I explained to him that we had to do these things in the proper order, which was seek out our elders, go and get their support. He also wanted to include Amber Tuckero. And, and who's he, Amber Tuckero? Amber Tuckero is a murdered young lady from Mint. Um, from Fort McMurray that was found in Leduc County and her case is still open mm -hmm. and he wanted to bring light to her case and in order for us to do that as Indigenous people we follow a proper protocol of approaching the family opening up a healthy dialogue inclusion and consultation and he instructed me to get a hold of Chief Billy Joe Tuckero and I attempted to and I did not hear back from them in a timely fashion. I told him that there would be no advertising of this walk until we were done these steps and it got pushed out there without my agreement. And this, this walk was actually supposed to happen, I think it was a multi-day event, right? But, but today was supposed to be the first day, but I've seen nothing online to indicate that it has even I happened. I actually did see something online two hours ago. They posted the RCMP stopping them and confronting them about the Nazi symbol. Uh, um, I just seen that here like five minutes ago before I came online. And interesting. Um, when I seen that, uh, he was, uh, carrying that black war flag, what he identifies as a war flag that was created by him and 11 other people. Where did you, where did you see this clip on what social media platform? TikTok. On TikTok. So it was on his channel? Um, no, it was on somebody else's, but it was like a duet. Oh yeah. Um, I have been blocked on all social media because I do not want to be associated with him. He scares mm. me politically. He's, he's, he's scaring me. He's scaring me on behalf of all Canadians. He doesn't have a right to speak for our treaty status people. He has no right to try and claim that he's the leader and the voice. The facts that he was giving you the other night 
the dates didn't match up. There was mm-hmm. sound of truth, but not the real truth. And I just want to set the record straight that he is not a leader for any of us treaty status Indians. Yeah, I'm going to run a... Um going to run a little video here that uh, from a, a post from a while back where he's talking about the swastika and why, how he wants to use it. Uh, let me just bring it up here and then I'll just get you to comment on this because really this is a, you know, a, a big part of the, the, the issue here for a lot of people, including myself. And I think you is it's an issue of respect and uh, you know, well, listen to this and then just, <laughs> this is what he, he, you know, This is from a while back. And I think we should make a lot of them. Swastikas. A fucking lot of those symbols. So if the truckers want to start a revolution, that's how we do it. And they didn't say they're using Native Americans. I don't give a flying fuck because they've been using Native Americans all this fucking time for the political bullshit. They're talking about anti-Semiticism. Well, I don't give a shit. Let's see who is the biggest fucking victim of all time. Native Americans are the Jews. It's not a standoff on anything, but it's a standoff for policy in the fucking world events that actually happened. You guys taking down Kanye West. You guys taking down a lot of people that even questioned the aspect of it. But I dare you guys to question the Native American for the cause. The cause is this. You guys are after my fucking land. You guys put us in reservations that are concentration camps. You guys done every single thing possible to destroy my fucking people. Now it's time for us to rise. And I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. This is, the, this is the cause of a revolution. This is what is happening. And I refuse to let my fucking Native American land get destroyed. My Native American leaders have sold out all their lands already. And you natives don't even fucking know it. You guys are so institutionalized to to the cause. Well, you want a revolution? You want a fucking revolution? You guys walk with the swastika too. White people walk with the swastika. What's your reaction to that? Danger. That's very dangerous and that's very sinister. We do not, myself personally, in the teachings that I was brought up with, we are not that type of an aggressive person. And what he is bringing out in the forefront, he is desecrating our most holiest of symbols in our religion. The Thunderbird is considered a holy being. The wind spirit, everything has a spirit that creator had created. Our creation stories and our prophecies are all sacred and held in a sacred esteem. We do not, we do not misappropriate or abuse our religious items, our religious items are taken care of. As you can see, my ribbon dresses are behind me, my pipe bag, all of that. We're taught how to respect and honor those things by holding them in the highest of esteem, that all of that is 
toward our prayer to God, to Creator, and how He is taking this symbol. He is desecrating a very holy, sacred symbol to us Sundance people. And politically, he's he's using this he's using this symbol in a political way to resurrect or resurrect or reconstitute fascistic political ideology, Nazism from World War II, as he has acknowledged online in various videos. And that is really what is of extreme concern to me. Um, you know, I said, I said to him the other night and, I'll get you to comment on this, Carmel. Um, yeah, if you know, I, I have no issues with that symbol being used for cultural purposes. Put it on pottery or uh, um, on a building, maybe, or a, a quilt or works of art, sculptures. I don't know. Use it in a variety of different ways. Um in an inappropriate fashion, but to put that on a flag and, and have the design so closely resemble the same design that was used in World War II by Nazi Germany, and then to come out with a secondary emblem, which is a virtual carbon copy of what we saw in World War II from Nazi Germany. I mean, there is almost no difference, but the only difference there is that the swastika itself is turned straight up and down instead of tilted to the to, to, to one side a little bit. But even then, I can show you pictures from World War II of banners where that swastika on Nazi banners from World War II, it's in that position anyway. So it, it was used in that orientation. It, it's a virtual carbon copy. And then on top of that, he comes out during the interview that we did with him the other night, two nights ago, and acknowledged that, you know, he embraces essentially national socialism, which is what we saw in World War II with the Nazis. And then I got a hold of this document, which outlines the party platform. That's which, the document he meant. I, okay. And so this, they've got a name for a political party that he said he was going to start, the Thunderbird Naturalism or Nationalist Party. And when you, you know, you read down through this whole document, which I did the other night, I went through the whole thing. And it's all about nationalism. It's about ethno-nationalism. It's about um, blood purity. It's about... Um, you know, preferential treatment for people based on uh, their race in a, in a pro first nations way, which in many respects, I don't have a lot of issues with, but when you combine the ethno or the ethnic aspects of it with national socialist ideology this again mirrors what we saw in world war ii with adolf hitler and the nazis this is what he's promoting and he actually does acknowledge it and you see that he's got a very aggressive tone and yes. calls for a revolution um in addition to that you know what i'm seeing here and he acknowledges it in that 
clip that I just ran. This is about anti-colonialism that we're seeing unfold around the world. We're seeing this kind of conflict in Palestine between Israel-Palestine right now. That's about uh, colonialism. He's taking that same kind of thinking, uh, you know, applying it here, which I understand, but there, it, there's a peaceful way to go about things. And then there's Adrian's way, which inevitably, in my estimation, would lead to violence, conflict. It, 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 it's built into the attitude Thoughts? Whoa, that's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, where do I even begin on that? Um, one, I can say that I tried to educate Adrian in our Cree symbolisms and the meanings and how these are used when he presented that red flag he said that this would be the first time and i suggested to him in that moment well what you're actually dreaming of is your own shield there are ways that our indian people never had flags per se similar to the non-indigenous worlds we had our symbolisms done on our own personal items whether it was our dresses or our clothing or our teepees or the shields the paint on our horses that was how we depicted our power our spiritual power mm -hmm. and i tried to explain this to adrian that that red flag that he had dreamt about was his own not everybody's and that wasn't heard and then when i questioned him about the black flag he indicates there were 11 people alongside him that created that flag and that uh it was a war flag and i challenged him on this walk i said I want you to come in front of these elders, bring all those flags, and you speak for yourself. You speak for yourself to these elders and explain what all of this means. But I have no support for that black and white flag. In our Cree culture, we don't use the color black. We use the color royal blue. Black isn't... Con isn't um, a highly regarded color in mm -hmm. our culture and uh it's actually quite threatening our cree people believe in having all the bright colors not black and i tried to explain this to him and i told him i was not in support of that black flag and then while talking about that, he led on that uh, he had a telephone conversation with somebody from down east. And I said, oh, for what? He says, well, we can start our own political party. And I said, this is supposed to be a walk to bring people together, a joint walk on the Indian Act. When did this turn 
you know, is running through my mind. When did this turn into some kind of political party? You know, I was not in support of initializing a political party. Yes, do I agree that people have to start working with us, my community of the treaty Indian status? Yes, I agree. There has to be more dialogue there, more consultation. Mm -hmm. There's healthier ways of doing it. Currently, we have our young Indigenous lawyers going to each reserve, including people in ideologies of governance and how to instill a governance format that pro projects our old way of living, inclusion of our identity as, as Indian people. But to do away with the Indian Act, it would have to be where our Indian people have set up their own governance. We're entitled, like how, how you spoke the other night, a nation within a nation. Mm -hmm. Well, as individual nations, we have our own self-determination. Right. We have our own right to sovereignty. And we have our own right to decide what governance we want to follow. And to end the Indian Act, it means putting in a new government order on behalf of every treaty status Indian nation. And that can only be self-determined by the leaderships of those communities, not by anybody telling us what needs to be done or what needs to be said, but to what is in accordance to our traditional laws and customs, including our religion. And when I see Adrian depicting this, he is misleading a lot of Canadians. He is misleading a lot of Indigenous people who are returning back to their identity. Because of the Indian Act and all the negative impacts of boarding school, 60 scoop, child welfare acts, the removal of our children, everything like this throughout history, we have a lot of our Indigenous people, our treaty status Indian people, returning to their home communities, returning to their identity. And he is using this opportunity to mislead people. And this is why I chose to come on to your show is because he is not carrying an Indigenous symbol. He has actually misappropriated it. He himself has misrepresented himself. Numerous times I hear him make reference to being Big Bear and that in itself is, he could be from Big Bear's camp historically, but is he a blood lineal relative of Big Bear? Is he a direct descendant of Big Bear to claim that? The other thing that was of, of great concern was during the interview the other night, um, I asked him, you know, who's supporting you? It became clear during the interview that there's somebody or some entity 
behind him with money and power, or at least there appears to be. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. He indicated that there is someone behind him, but would not reveal who that person is. Um, I'm wondering if that had something to do with a conversation I had with him. He, uh, one evening there, a couple, like within the last week when we were planning this walk, when I was still a teammate on this walk, he said, Hey, do you know who Kevin O'Leary is? And I said, no, I have no clue. You know, that guy from the lion's den while well, he's watching us, if I can get people to walk behind us, he's going to support me. And I yeah. said, on what? And this was the first time that I was hearing that this was supposed to be a Thunderbird movement. I instantly got uncomfortable because I wasn't planning this walk for a political move. I was planning this walk to honor a dream, a spiritual essence of our religion. So and, were, are we talking about this guy, Kevin O'Leary? The rich guy, I think, I don't know if he's a, he's a multimillionaire, he if not a the, billionaire. He said the lion's den, Kevin O'Leary is how. Yeah, well, that's the guy, it. lion's den, shark tank. Um, this guy also at one point uh, was, was uh, positioning himself to take a run at the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada, uh, tied in very politically. He's claiming, he's claiming that it's this guy here, Kevin O'Leary, who is, uh, you know, very, he's, he's on television all the time. Uh, he's on financial shows, um, on television, talking about politics. Here's an example. This is proof positive of what I've been saying. The richest country on earth run by idiots. Yes. That's it. And it's really sad because it's not just, you know, Trudeau, a very successful politician. He's been around a long time, but he's pissed off the Indians, the Egyptians, the Chinese, and now the Canadians, this ain't so good for him. This is bad branding that's yes. what's going on. Mm -hmm. And this latest thing, whoa, people are really unhappy. So Kevin O'Leary is, he's saying that Kevin O'Leary is the, bill because he was going around saying that he has a billionaire who's ready to um, inject money into this political party that he's starting. And he's claiming that it's Kevin O'Leary. That's who he claimed to me, and as soon as he mentioned his name and it took a political twist, I told him, I told Adrian I had to step back, that I didn't agree with this. Um, I basically just said um, that this wasn't what I signed up for. And then on the last day of working with Adrian, he phones me up and he says, Hey, did you get those documents done? And I said, what documents? I'm not aware that there were documents. Um, I'm still waiting to hear back from Enoch Cree Nation about our meeting to see whether or not we got permission to walk on their lands. Are you talking about documents like that? And then he says, no, them documents. We got to get those documents in and we need 250 signatures. Um. And then I said, what? And then that's when he mentioned Kevin O'Leary again to me. And at that point, I said, I'm not part of this. I said, I didn't know that there had to be documents put in. And then that's when I ended my relationship with him.
I was able to get him to text me. Um, I, I asked him through text message, are you saying that Kevin O'Leary is going to be part of this party? And he goes, not part of it, but backing it. <laughs> okay, so first of all, we have to say that we're going to have to contact Kevin O'Leary and ask him if any of this is true, uh, if he wants to comment on it, who knows what reaction we will get from Kevin O'Leary. Uh, this, this is unexpected. Uh, I, would I wouldn't know how big or breaking this news is, but these are true conversations that I had with Adrian. I live a simple life. I'm not involved politically as a treaty Indian status person. We're, we're supposed to remain nonpartisan and on the side of the treaty. And the fact that Adrian is doing these kinds of things, it's actually him not upholding the treaty. Mm -hmm. Yes. The treaties are really needed by First Nations in order to protect their sovereignty against the, uh, you know, the, the constant, I guess, pressure, if you, for lack of a better word, of being a nation within a nation to protect the, the First Nations communities from the greater Canada, which is, you know, the mass around it. And also around to it. ensure that the land's Land rights play a huge part of this. Right. In all our treaties, 1 through 11, we never sold our lands. We right. said we were going to share in peaceful coexistence. Which is more of the Canadian history, history that we have versus what is in the U.S. And many, you know, and we saw... Uh, First Nations fight alongside the British loyalists in the War of 1812, Chief Tecumseh. I mean, it's it's not really quite the same kind of history in Canada that they have on the U.S. side. We have, you know, a lot of scars and uh, and and a lot of healing to do and a lot of sins were committed. Um, but it, do you think that progress is being made? I truly believe that progress has been made. There's been steps that have been taken in and out of the courtroom. There's lifetime lawsuits that are currently sitting in front of the Supreme Court of Canada on behalf of our Indian lands and entitlement, our inherent birthrights. Our leadership do know what they're doing. Sure, there's a disconnect between chief and council and the grassroots people, but that goes the same in mainstream Canadian politics as well. You know, there's always going to be a disconnect, but there are ways to approach these things. Currently, we have young Indigenous lawyers, like I said, teaching about the coming to the end of the Indian Act, setting up government governance systems per nation, not identical to each other, but to what the inherent birthrights are to that nation. And with the way that Adrian is choosing to approach all of this, it's very threatening because he comes across as talking for all Indian people when he is, in fact, is not even a voice for many. My voice, who speaks for me, is my 
patriarch, my matriarch of my family. That is the way that we do things in our community. And he's busy. One of the biggest things that I found discouraging was he has no leadership qualities in that true Indian essence. I've seen many Indian leaders who are kind, considerate, who don't swear or call down people or are judgmental. He is a poor example of what our Indian leadership's families are about. Our families take time to hear and to listen and to take everybody's input into account. This man is not doing that. He is manipulating. I felt that he took advantage of me. I felt that he manipulated me. One, by misrepresenting that this was a walk to end the Indian Act. I found out information that the Indian Act went into royal assent December of 2022. And in place of that, 13 First Nations signed on with the First Nations Land Management Act dated October 2023. And I put that information forward to him and he ignored it. How can we ask for something that's already in the works? Right. Is that a ploy so that he can get people together? And then when he when he describes that black and white flag, he was really insistent that that was a war flag and that that was a Thunderbird. And I was like, no, I even drew a picture and told them our Thunderbirds are not depicted like that. What you are doing is misappropriating our culture. Yes, indeed. Well, I'll bring up a picture of what a First Nations Thunderbird would look like. Do a Google and, you know, here's, here's some different examples that come up on Google. And, then and yeah, this is, this also... is exactly what I said to him too. And he acknowledged right here on this program that, that, that black flag is a war flag. He, he, was it him or was it Matthew? But it was one or the other and probably both of them. Um, that's what I, I guess a Thunderbird would look like. Can you just comment on these for us? Those are West Coast designs. Yeah. Because yours would be more like, um, We actually don't even draw or we do it in a symbolism. It, it's that. Uh, yeah, I know. I do know the, the style. Thunderbird. I don't see it on here. Yeah, it's we More hold kind the Thunderbird like in high regard. This, right? Closer to that. Like Sorry. that third one over with, yeah, yes, there. One. Yeah. Um, but it's more or less straight across, and we don't color it in that way. Right, yeah. But it's a straight across with, like, similar to that style. And yeah. and, and that's important because 
<laughs> and we also don't depict it publicly. We only use it in ceremony. We only use it ceremonially like that. I've never seen a Powell dancer with that beadwork on them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've never seen it publicly displayed. Just getting some different messages in here from people just checking to see if there's anything important that we need to. Um... Oh, I see. Okay. So yeah, somebody is asking a question of you. Um, can you talk about UNDRIP and how it, it factors into this? Um, I'm not versed in UNDRIP at all. Okay. And from what people are telling me is that it's supposed to be a land grab, a steal of our lands. And mm -hmm. they tell me that it's a threat from the United Nations and that uh, it's a hidden agenda to get all the lands from the Indian people. That's the I'm thing that, that really I found... Uh, contradictory, hypocritical of Adrian, because in the party platform document that I just showed you as I went through it the other night, um, over here, he's telling everyone that he wants to dismantle the government. Don't bother to vote. Your vote doesn't count. Um, you know, he, he has no faith in the system at all. And then uh, in the document, though, they actually he does make reference to the Constitution. He makes reference to UNDRIP in there. Uh, he talks about complying with UNDRIP while at the same time, everyone and, and with some of these provisions um, and, and yet at the same time, he's saying that the system is corrupt and, and it's going to destroy everything. So he, he's telling everybody don't believe in the system, but then if you elect him, his, his party platform calls for compliance with the system that is going to do exactly the negative things that he says are, are, are going to happen. He, he's he's worried about the new world order, and yet he's talking about adopting policies in the document that are in compliance with the World Economic Forum and and Klaus Schwab's vision of the future. It's just it it blows my mind. What I do know is that the treaties protect the lands, and that as Indian people, we never gave over our control of these lands. And as long as we do not adopt the UNDRIP, then we at least have a fighting chance using the international treaty law, one through 11 and other treaty laws that have Sim been in place. In, in simple terms, you know, as I analyze it, it's a poorly written document, but it essentially transfers the control, it, it, it takes sort of like the, the, the teeth out of the Indian Act and it transfers the authority or sovereignty yeah. really to the United Nations. Well, they say it's giving it to the First Nations, but in truth, but it's it not. because it's really the, the, the sovereignty then really comes from the United Nations and that UN document. So For many years. That's not sovereignty. For many years when being raised we were taught to always hold that treaty as number one do not waver from it mm -hmm. when the undrip came out elders in regina went and printed it off and told me here carmel read it tell us what it is and i said it doesn't matter 
were supposed to hold that treaty as number one. Mm -hmm. That was a pipe agreement. We do not turn our backs on it. And But the way he talked and what it says in that document is he wants to establish a republic. He wants Canada to become a republic um, modeled in loosely after what we're seeing in the United States. But the danger in doing that is that once you, you see, he says he doesn't even want the Indian Act. He doesn't want what the government has to offer at all. But you should want it because it's been earned. It's been earned through you know the blood of of your people in, in fighting in wars fighting alongside other canadians in in the war of 1812 in vietnam in the korean war in world 1885 war 2 rebellion right you know so these treaties honor and um and pay tribute to those contributions and sacrifices that first nations peoples made and therefore you know, we we respect that you have your nations within the nation. But if you destroy the Canadian government, if you take all that down, dismantle it, then really all of those agreements, they kind of go out the window. Actually, no, not with the Canadian government. Our international treaties are signed between the crown. We cannot decouple from the crown. But he wants to get he wants to decouple from the monarchy exactly and that's not the way to go if right. we go that way then nobody has any rights to the land nobody has you know then it's a free-for-all then it is a revolution yeah. and if that's what he's calling for that's a very dangerous act to take that's a very dangerous stance to make you know i there think is, that it, you know it could be achieved other countries have decoupled from uh, you know the, the monarchy in, in a peaceful way by just asking, and then you could go through uh, a process of drafting new documents. Other I suppose, countries, and, you know, but I don't know. Other countries did not have the treaties like we do. We have treaties mm -hmm. one through eleven. Right, All the other yes. British monarchy countries did not have those types of international treaty law agreements. That's very true. We are the only lands that have that land agreement written yeah. down and authorized by the crown and our leadership at the time of signing treaty. So this is what is different between other Canadian, other crown monarchy countries and them being able to decouple. Because we have international law agreements, we cannot easily decouple or else we lose what is inherently our birthright. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's very insightful, you know, and, and I'm I'm grateful that you're able to explain it so clearly for people here tonight. It's so important, you know, like I I want to hold the Canadian government accountable by making them honor the treaties in a, in a proper way, because I know that through history, the government really has not done that. But it's high what time I that they do. When I see the vision of cowboys and Indians, what everybody needs to understand, we all live on treaty lands. If you're in treaty one through 11, you're on treaty lands. Everything that that treaty asks for for my people should be a benefit to all people living in those treaty territories, education, health care. 
um, you know, Child Welfare Act, like equality here. Come on, let's all get on this board of equality, fair rights to everybody. First and foremost, instead of sending money to go help somebody else's country, what about reinvesting that money into making our Indigenous communities livable? What about giving up that finances to help with making the treaty agreement uphold it you know before we start serving other people and i would say the biggest benefit of the treaties is is peace it keeps yes. the, it keeps everything peaceful and there 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 are the, the agreements there through those treaties also make sure that the the federal government and the provinces too have to honor your sovereignty. They have to provide uh, services. They have to provide, um, you know, help create opportunities for employment and and welfare, the proper welfare and and health of, of your communities. So th these are really important agreements, and it, you your communities deserve these things because of your your status, your land status of the contributions you've made through history to the country. And we, we have to continue to acknowledge these things in, in a proper way. If, if we don't, then, you know, I think this, that's very dangerous because it, it, it really diminishes. It puts your communities at risk, especially now because we have so much immigration coming into the country. You know, it's it's so important for for your communities to to be preserved. In in my view, and uh, we are a distinct, unique society. Each and every one of the First Nations, we have our own language, we have yep. our own religion, we have our own way of doing things. One of the biggest disgraces that the Indian Act gave our people was the removal of the woman's rights. In our communities, we honor the woman and we hold our life givers as number one and sacred. And when I look at Adrian's behaviors, that's not holding life givers number one and sacred. It's, you know, misusing and abusing the woman misguiding mm -hmm. us like that's why i mean i felt very manipulated by him mm -hmm. to come at me this way to use my voice to use my my inclusion well he and is he has been manipulating people and he, he knows the buttons to push especially right now where trust and you know um confidence in our institutions in the canadian government is at an all-time low and then in addition to that by extension he points his finger at first nations chiefs and band councils and and illustrates the corruption that's present there and I, you know, says, basically, come with me. I have the solution. We'll be the honest politicians, basically, right? You can trust me. Uh, but I would say, yeah, there are there are issues of corruption. That's the case around the world in every government anyway. And you yeah. have, certainly have it on First Nations. We have it within the federal government in Canada and the provinces and even at municipalities. There's always going to be some corruption. 
but that doesn't mean that speaking <laughs> speaking to that corruption on a chief and council level i can honestly speak to the fact that our grassroots people within the nations are taking it to task they are asking for financial audits they are approaching there is currently a court case out of calgary alberta where a group three members of one nation have taken their entire chief and council to court we are using the legal means presented to us formed within canadian society and legal ways to pursue these matters and to take this off into a nationalist party and i asked him well who's supposed to be the leader of this and i said is it you and i'm thinking i don't want him for my leader he doesn't speak for me in fact i don't think he speaks for very many people if any people the only people he's speaking for are the people who you know the three or four or five or six that maybe walk around behind him like lost little puppy dogs. But aside from that, he has no, he, nobody's elected him. Nobody has given him a mandate. He's not on any bad councils as far as I know, or, you know, he's certainly not a chief. He's, he's not even in his own treaty territory. He's operating his business in a city that is, 500 kilometers plus away from his homelands his homelands are in northern saskatchewan i challenged him to go and walk that black flag from his own treaty six lands before doing it here in edmonton yeah it's very concerning when you know in, in that document he talked you know it, it it lays it right out instead of provinces we're going to have states and this this is a document. This is a a national a nationalist party, a national socialist party, just like they had in Nazi Germany. And there was a video that I saw online two nights, three nights ago, or whatever, where he he actually says that it's just like the Nazi Party in Germany. And uh, you know, it's it's just wow. extremely concerning to me because this is like repeating. He's He's finding inspiration in the darkest part of human history and using that as the basis for this political movement here in Canada at a time when the country is at its most vulnerable. And then you know that he, he's, it seems like he has some political power of some kind or money or something behind him. And this is extremely concerning to me because it makes me wonder you know, where is the, what's the influence behind this and what's the real motivation? And when I look at First Nations and I look at the, you know, Canada as a whole, it's so resource rich. It's, you know, so many other countries and dark players out there would love to get their hands on this country and exploit the resources and frankly, the people. Yes. I do know that, uh, there are certain indigenous political leaders that have safeguarded against this. We do have our own governance systems. We do consult. Consultation is big in our community. And one of the biggest 
misgivings is how the Canadian government, whether it's federal or provincial, neglect to consult us about land use, mineral use, resources, not recognizing we have an equal say. It has to come to equality in order for all of us to be able to live peaceful coexistence. Yes. And what Adrian is doing and whoever else is behind him is a very dangerous game to the livelihood of every Canadian. Indeed. And when I hear the anti-Semitic tropes, the cliches coming from him and the outright, you know, honestly, he doesn't like Jewish people. And he said so on this program, I think the second time he was on here, it, it really made me nauseous hearing him say these things. Um, it, it, it is Nazi ideology. There's no question about that. And it's very dangerous. And what you've been talking about tonight and that I am very much in agreement with with you is is that here in Canada, even though we're seeing the kind of conflict in Israel-Palestine, which is predicated on the problems surrounding colonialism or or settlers in a, in a particular area here in Canada, you know, we are finding, I think, a better way forward. We are finding a Canadian way to deal with these things, and that way is peaceful. Well, I really wish Justin Trudeau would call for a ceasefire. There's children being murdered. Yes. You know, every everybody deserves to live life. And to have these threats of war, to be put under dictatorship, to be, you know going without the necessities of life that's not fair to any of those mothers those fathers and those children we all need to be asking for that ceasefire children shouldn't have to die for political gain this is a land situation between the palestines and the jewish people it's a religious war it's unnecessary there needs to be a peace treaty agreement that is upheld by every country in the world so that we have no more war even what they're doing in ukraine you know children shouldn't have to die because of pol political ideologies children need to have good home lives excellent futures you know but what kind of future is that when everybody wants to go go and pick up arms and be vigilante and push their way pushing your way only creates havoc it only creates confusion it creates all of these all of the hardships that you know financial ruin you know everything it creates everything negative what about creating something that's positive and worth working toward together yes and i even though adrian says that he is a nationalist i think that he is a fascist who will entertain support from 
even foreign entities or semi-foreign entities, because if Kevin O'Leary is the guy backing him, that's a very rich business guy who spends some of his time in Canada and a lot of his time in the United States. Um, so he's almost semi-American. And, and when I'm reading the document, it sounds like there's a lot of, I guess, American influence and inspiration within that party platform. I'm well, what Adrian neglects to remember is the J Treaty. The J Treaty allows every Indigenous person that dual citizenship between Canada and the United States. Yeah. Why does he need to form a party for that when we already have the J Treaty? I'm Indeed. a dual citizen. My mother is buried in the United States. My mother is registered from there and also the, in Canada as an Indian. And what he's proposing... Like, look back on the Jay Treaty. We're already entitled to that dual citizenship. Mm -hmm. You know, and he says that uh, one of the main reasons he's doing this is so that we can have the difficult conversations. Well, we're having difficult conversations because of him, but these are not conversations that um, needed to be predicated on the format. You know, he didn't have to create the Canada's National Socialist Party, the new Nazi Party of Canada, in order to have this conversation. <laughs> That's a, well, those are pretty extreme lengths me, to go to just to talk about something. What angers me is that he's, he's using a black and white flag, trying to call it Cree, trying to say it's our religion, and it is not. That is not a symbol from our religion at all. And when I questioned him about it, it was created by him and 11 other people. And he called it a war flag to me. Why would I want to walk underneath a war flag with him? I'm not at war with anyone. I'm not at war with Canada. Is he calling a war on with Canada by flying that flag? That's, I guess, the concern that you and a lot of others have tonight. Indeed. Um, Carmel, how much support do you think he actually has? He has enough to make me concerned. If these are the people that he's having conversations with, Kevin O'Leary and men of that caliber, and he's in full support, like this grandmother, Nancy Scanny. Um, he's in there with the truckers. Um, he, in past news, like after I started doing my own research on him through media and Google, thank God for Google. Um, but from what I'm seeing, there are pockets of people right across Canada that believe in his ideology mm -hmm. and that are supporting his ideology and some that are even thinking and truly believing that this is our Indian way of living. No, these are not true to our identity. Yeah. 
you know, and he's talking about a return to the gold standard. It makes me think that uh, they are so far along with this with the, you know, they already have a party platform. They have um, a, a loose outline for a return to the gold standard. But what does that look like? My guess is my guess is that they have a plan for a cryptocurrency system that is um, backed up with gold somehow, or at least that's what they'll try to tell people. I'm very concerned about how they're going to, what they're going to do with that and how stable that would actually be if they actually had people start to give them money. For me, I kind of fear an overtake of our country. Me I too. fear that there's going to be an overtake of government and I, I don't feel safe. And he gives me that fear. His ideologies have given me that fear that this is an actual reality. And or it's becoming a reality. It's working toward that reality. These mm -hmm. yes. are the first warning signs of what what potentially can come if we don't nip it in the butt now. I I agree. You know, and we've we've. Oh my goodness! So um, how do we how do we end things like this? How do we end? ideologies like this before it actually gets a foothold how do we do that as indian treaty status and canadian how do we work together to put an end to that i don't know i've got actually a clip here of him i won't run it tonight um i have you know there i have so much archive material from so many things here but i know there are clips of him where he talks about um, exactly what you're speaking of and his desire to um, affect change in ways that we ought not be thinking about. Very dangerous. You know, it all has to come with everybody sitting down at the table and being able to speak honestly and have fair representation. Mm -hmm. We have two different government systems. We have the Indian Treaty government our own chiefs and councils dealing with every part of the provincial and federal systems. Yeah. And each of us have our own leaders who speak for us that are elected officials. If I don't agree with what my elected official is doing, well, then the next election we vote them out. Yeah. I heard you say that our democratic process has a way of correcting itself. Yes. And it does. I have witnessed that throughout my life. That also holds true within our Indian treaty status and the way that we elect our chiefs. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I agree. You know, it takes time and it's messy because democracy is messy. And with democracy, you get a lot of protesting. You have a lot of people who are not, you know, are upset about things. But it's, it's a peaceful process. That is, you know, because frustrating, can, I yeah. will admit it's frustrating, yep. you know, but that's all part of truth and reconciliation, going in, getting the truth out, sitting back and saying, okay, how can I better it? What actions can I do that are going to better it? What yeah. actions can be asked for on both sides of the fence? You know, like mm -hmm. for me, 
having these processes, sure, it's not the perfect system, but it's been doable. It's everybody does have a right to voice their opinion. But yeah, it's it's the best thing there is, basically. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it's not perfect, but there is nothing. There's no there is no perfect out there uh, exactly. at all. And this is probably the best as good as it gets. It's and the we, fact that we can have progression. Yes. That we can work and toward progress to a better future. Yeah. You know, like, yes, our grievances are deep and long rooted. It comes from a historic point. But at the same time, it's about being truthful about it. And I do have to commend Canadians for them being able to embrace the truth of residential school, for them being able to listen to the atrocities that my people have faced through the genocidal acts of the Indian Act and how it's contributed to our poverty levels our addictions in our community, our murdered and missing indigenous exploited people, you know, like it contributes to all of that. But Adrian's solution is not the answer to any of this. I absolutely agree. I absolutely I agree. I had to cut ties because I don't want to mislead anybody. And I do owe a lot of people an apology for even collaborating with him in the early days of this walk. I apologize. Once I seen what was coming, I disentangled myself or I'm attempting to. I'm trying to correct that wrong. That is me admitting the truth that I got misled, that I was mis manipulated, and I'm not going to mislead anybody else. I posted that on my website, that there is huge differences of opinion here on political views that I do not want to be any part of. You're a courageous woman. I And Carmel... We might not be walking with Adrian to end the Indian Act today, but I'll tell you this, I will walk with you any day. Thank you. I don't know what's so courageous about speaking my truth. These were conversations that I had, maybe in my innocence of not knowing who who any of these players are. I don't know. I, To be honest, I don't know who Kevin O'Leary is when he said the lion's den or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I was clueless. I even told you that too today. Mm -hmm. I'm ignorant on electronic, electronics, you know, multimedia stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't claim to be anything else other than just an honest person in the things that I see and do. It takes courage to stand up to bullies and it takes courage to stand up and do the right thing when you have a mob mentality out there. Um, because when people get into that mindset and a lot of that is fueled by fear and anger, um, it's very volatile and 
uh, it's not easy to do. You know, we're do I'm doing it here on the show. Uh, you know, they, they he brought tr trolls with him. They were attacking us in the in the chat the other night. I mean, it's 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 they're they're pretty vicious. Uh, so so you, you are courageous. I got a question for you. When I got into the chat here with you, mm -hmm. you were speaking about Buffy St. Marie. Yeah. Um, she's a family member. Oh, okay. I was I was married to her nephew and he was murdered. He's one of the MMIM of Canada. Uh -huh. And that was his aunt through Cree adoption. So what was your story about? I didn't catch it. Have you, have you not heard the Buffy St. Marie story in the last couple of weeks? Oh, yes, I have. Yeah, I'm so I was, just, I was just referencing the story. And, uh, of course, you know, she's being accused of uh, uh, appropriating an identity or that the marketing company that was promoting her as a, an international performer was fabricating her heritage in order to further her her marketability i guess um that's the way i, I see the cbc story uh being portrayed i'm i don't know what the truth is because i know that uh a lot of documents over the years have been lost or you know, changed when, when children were taken away from their families. And I, I don't know, you, maybe you can shed some light on what might be going on there for us. What I know historically is that there were no proper records kept. You can even research this through the Hudson Bay Company archives. They never recorded history on the woman. If there's a well-known Indian man, they say he, he was married to a Soto woman, married to a Cree woman, married to a Métis woman. Our names were never used. We were never looked upon as human beings, and we were never acknowledged by our names or our birth lineage. We could be the daughter of a treaty chief, and we were just ignored by the Canadian system. My own birth certificate in 1970 doesn't even read the proper name that my mother wanted on there. The hospitals, like in 1940, we were under the control of the Indian agent. 1948, my dad, my grandmother wanted to go to the hospital to go and give birth. The Indian agent refused her. My dad was born in a train railway car. My grandmother's story, also the Indian agent wouldn't allow her to go to the hospital. The Indian agent held a lot of control and the Indian agent was to register people. They made illegal transactions on our children many times in order for a family to be fed, an Indian agent would have sex with any of the women in order to give them food. So these oral histories and the way documentations were done, we got to take that into account. Did you know that there was a lawyer that put forward an affidavit by oral history that pertained to Buffy St. Marie's 
history in Saskatchewan. There's an actual an affidavit sworn to and in the courts. We don't know these truths because, like I said, the Indian agent, Canadian government didn't recognize our Indian women as people. And there's lots of documents when you look back, oh, married to a Soto woman, married to a Cree woman, but nothing by name. Yeah, it, it must be a, a difficult thing for her to be going through right now. And I, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to respond to what the CBC is doing or, you know, Canada's national broadcaster. We talk about pretendism. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And even Adrian claims to be from Big Bear. That's pretendism as well. Like, prove your lineage if, you know, like, I can prove mine. Yeah. And unfortunately, the Indian people of Canada are the only people that I know that have to prove their blood quantum. Well, and I guess the, but I guess there are people out there who are abusing it as they try to claim status as Métis and then the government yes. now looking at uh, extending more rights or privileges, however you want to look at it, to, uh, yes. to, to people with Métis status, which is potentially a threat to First Nations sovereignty in itself, right? I don't think of it as a threat because no. our treaties are there to protect us from that again yeah and th that's why they're so important to preserve yeah exactly that's the number one thing is to protect those treaties and uphold them and live up to them I, and these yeah. types of actions are not doing that adrian's actions are not doing that and i guess if the government extends these kinds of um um rights to people who claim Métis status and they choose to do that, it doesn't necessarily mean that it diminishes any sovereignty or it's a threat to any First Nations community. It, it just means that they could be living elsewhere in, in Canada and, uh, and I don't know, get some welfare payment or something from the government or whatever it is that they would end up getting. Is that maybe a more accurate assessment? I wouldn't call it a welfare payment. I don't know what is on the works for the Métis. That's not, my, that's not on my agenda. Mm -hmm. My agenda is only the treaties and protecting and upholding my cultural identity. Right. And yeah, well, that is the main reason I came on is because that is not a culturally appropriate. He's misappropriating our culture and our symbols. And what how he's yeah. using it is not supported by me and i apologize to all of canada for my inclusion at the start of planning this walk when i started to see that he was not going to adhere to tribal protocols that's when i knew something was amiss and i started investigating i do not support what he's doing i do not support that flag and I know that that is not the appropriate ways of using our symbols. Carmel, thank you so much. I have to do something. I have to do it. 
I'm going to have to knight you. <laughs> what does that mean? It means that you are going to be an official Maverick Knight. Just hold on to your seat. Buckle up. Here we go. We, the Maverick family, do hereby dub thee an official Maverick Knight, freedom fighter extraordinaire. May your courage and devotion to freedom and truth become a shining example to the people of our world and the Maverick universe. Maverick News. The world is watching. That's what happens when you use your superpowers for good and never evil. <laughs> Thank you. That was quite cute. You reminded me of my son, Justice Cross, and his breakdancing days when he was a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's an honor to have you here tonight. Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom. And again, like I said, I will walk with you anytime. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me on and uh, allowing me that privilege to voice my concerns and my views. I appreciate that opportunity to try and correct the wrong that I had started with Adrian. The privilege is ours. Thank you. Thank you, Carmel. Thank we'll you. have you back. Take care. Okay, folks, I'll be back in uh, just a moment. Stick with me. More to come right after this. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Too late, too late, too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. That was a great interview. And uh, I'll keep following the story. I hate, honestly, I, I hate that I'm continuing to give this attention. I don't want to promote it, right? But I, as Carmel said, you know, there's enough support out there that I'm concerned too. And we need to draw attention to it now so that we can deal with it and i'll come back and revisit it if needed but we should really get focused on the more important tasks at hand because there's a lot of work to do folks and uh we need to get to work so if you are inclined to support this channel and the work that we're doing here you can donate at maverickdonations.com 
That's the Give, Send, Go page. Or you can donate at freedomreporters.com. Help us out. Keep us on, on the air. Keep these transmissions going. Help me pay the bills if, if, you're, if you're able to. Um, really appreciate the support that you guys have shown here in the past and, uh, and the support that I know we'll continue to have in the future. But yeah, we really do need your help, especially after being demonetized off YouTube. So freedomreporters.com. Also, make sure you like, share, subscribe, please, on Facebook and across the social media platforms. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. We're still on our tertiary backup channel over there because we're banned, banned, banned and banned and still running on channel three. And uh, we'll be back on those other channels, though, when uh, when the slap on the wrist stops stinging. And um, subscribe on Rumble. We're growing over there. That's the free speech platform. Not very likely we're going to get banned over there. Two channels on Rumble, you know, and uh, yeah, we're doing pretty well. I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful for people following us over there. And that gets us to... 8 p.m. Eastern on this. What is the date today? November the 3rd. Holy smokes. The next thing you know, Santa Claus will be a coming. I can smell winter in the air whenever I'm walking through the neighborhood. It's uh, you know crisp fall days and uh, brisk winds. But maybe if there's still a little bit of nice weather left. And uh, I'm going to have to get out and take advantage of that because the leaves have fallen and it is time to uh, mulch them up. I don't bag them anymore. I just mulch them. It's, uh, it's way faster and easier. It used to take me like three days to bag all those leaves. Three days. Like three solid days because of all the maple trees around here. But uh, now I uh, I just go out and mow them, mow them down, mulch them up. It works pretty well. That's my system, and I'm sticking to it. Um, that being said, I'm going to call it quits for tonight because I am honestly exhausted. It has been such a crazy week, so busy with so many things going on, and it's been darn emotional, I have to tell you, with the wars in Ukraine and Israel, Palestine, it just all the craziness and all this stuff, the, the story we covered, it's just, it is draining. It weighs on you mentally after a while, you know? I'm sure you guys do know. You know, turn it off. Turn me off. Just shut it out for a while. Give your brain a break. Otherwise, your brain will break. Truly. It's, uh, it's time for a mental health break, and that's what I'm going to take right now because it is just after 8 p.m., and I'm going to go find my pooch, Cosmo, and we're going to go for a walk. And I'm going to enjoy that brisk fall air tonight as I stroll around the neighborhood. And then I'll be back tomorrow night. Same bat time, same bat channel, 6 p.m. Eastern on the flip side. Love you guys. Catch you later. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.